Hey, welcome into Pro Football Ireland on a Monday morning. If you're listening or watching this, a very, very warm welcome to you. Michael McQuaid, joined by Mark Hogan and Michaela Fagan. Just after a week 15 Saturday and Sunday of the NFL season, we had three games on Saturday night. And if you're like me and you stayed up on Saturday night and then watched the World Cup and then watched the week 15 Sunday, you're probably tired this morning. So look, we'll get through this together. I'm excited to talk some football on what was, frankly, I'll start with you, Mark, mate, obviously, welcome in, man. Um, just a really good weekend. Obviously, like, look, look, this is an American football podcast, but the World Cup was incredible, and we went straight from that to a, a great week 15. There was stuff going left, right, and center. Again, as we always say now, there's never a dull moment in this league, but it was a really interesting Sunday, and it sets us, it sets us up really nicely for uh, what will be Christmas Eve and Christmas Day next week. Yeah, no doubt. It's funny that you say it was such an interesting week 15 because it felt like it started when the World Cup presentation was being set up. It, it, that thing took forever to get going. But it really did start last night when <laughs> the the Vikings, and we'll, we'll touch on them a bit later on, are 33 nothing down. And because of different bits and pieces I was doing, I was one of the few people that tuned in when they were 33 nothing down. I was like, I actually text a friend of mine. I was getting on a bus. I said why am I putting this game on? Like they're they're gonna get smoked and they are getting smoked. So while everyone else was tuning out, I, I tuned into that game and what happened, I I don't know. It's kind of funny because, you know, a big deal was made out over it now over the last 24 or 36 hours about how it was such a massive comeback. But we almost had that same comeback last week with the Denver Broncos and the Kansas City Chiefs. So uh, it's back to back week with, with these massive comebacks. Michael, that game on Saturday was nuts with the Vikings and the Colts uh, biggest comeback in nfl history probably not the greatest comeback ever to be fair but uh, still hell of a comeback yeah i was watching the game and i kind of when i got to 33 not like nothing at halftime i was kind of like zoning out kind of looking at my phone not really paying attention to it and i was fuming because i actually had the vikings in my bet because i thought they were like a sure thing and my my dad as well i think one of his friends asked like would the vikings win and i advised his friends that the vikings would win put them in your bet and my dad came in and it was like he saw 33 nothing he was like ah you should give that american football thing up you don't like (laughs) he said he's like ah you should give it up you don't you don't you're you're not you're not on the ball type thing and then i I was was running upstairs from being like they won in overtime like did they win in overtime again sorry i'm after forgetting they yeah, they won it over time. Yeah, um, and I was like, "It's after going to overtime. They're after winning it with a field goal." And he was laughing then, but it was it was a great weekend if you're a sports fan. It's funny because my missus basically said to me about when it was fourth and one, folks with two minutes to go. She goes, "This will go on for another hour." And I goes, "No, no, it won't. They, they need one more play." And she was right. So shout out to Lynn. Let's uh, jump up on what happened. I guess we'll, we'll we'll jump up on a few different topics. And look, we 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 can talk about the whole weekend. So please do feel free to jump in different topics, folks. We'll start off with the Bills Dolphins game. Obviously, the Dolphins mark. And um, well, first off, so many different things to come from this game. What a game last night! It felt like a playoff game on Saturday night. Uh, the Bills got out on top with a field goal towards the end, went within thirty-two to twenty-nine over the Dolphins. So many different elements. You had the snowballs for one. You had, you know, Tua, Josh Allen, Josh Allen again leading the team in rushing yards. I think the the big concern 
for Dolphins fans. Obviously, there's positives on the run game with Raheem Mostert, but Tua did not look comfortable in fair down situations. Mark, and I think that's something that they need to look at, not just this season, but you know, going forward. Like, I like what Mike McDaniel's done in Miami, but if they're not going to be able to go up to the next level where Buffalo are now, then I think questions will start to be asked about Tua. Um, I think the whole talk about Brady will probably need to go because after what we've seen this weekend with Brady, it looks like Brady could be done. But we'll talk about him in a bit. But uh, the game on Saturday night was a really, really fun one and one where it, if they somehow met again in the playoffs, you would not begrudge anyone watching it. Yeah, no, you're dead right because actually I thought it's kind of a positive thing for the Miami Dolphins because we talked last week about how Tua isn't at his best right now and you know he was going into that slump and the bills are coming out of it but just looking in front of me here they were seven point underdogs and what they brought it back to a three-point game where that's the difference and it really was that fourth quarter when the bills what they scored 11 points the Dolphins scored three and that's the the difference in the game but my main takeaway was kind of the opposite of what you're saying i actually think because of how they've played the Bills this year, they've nothing to fear from them come playoff time if that is inevitably what happens because they have run them close. Um, I didn't give them a chance. I know it was funny. I don't know if we ever highlighted on our social media that in the summertime, who was it? Tyreek Hill was wearing the T-shirt. Jen Wald was wearing the T-shirt when it was so muggy down in Miami that I wanted hotter. Mike McDaniels this week was saying I want it colder because I, I thought it was going to be a big issue. I th- I was actually looking at the the spread and all this when I was like Michaela looking into some betting and I was thinking about it's going to be super low scoring if the snow is going to be as bad as it was. So like it, it was an experience for both of them and to go up to Buffalo, look, it'll be a different environment altogether. That felt like a playoff game. Yes, it'll be a, a notch above come January. But I thought it was positive enough considering I thought they were going to get smoked last night or two nights ago. I guess, Michaela, looking at how Tua played against the Chargers in Week 14 and then how he played against the Bills in Week 15 and Mark's right in terms of the weather, complete, two completely different uh, situations for that Dolphins offense, but two similar sort of interesting ways in which teams are going up now against against Miami, putting more pressure on them, not allowing Tua to maybe get the ball down the field as quickly as he wants to. And I just, like, I'm not down in the Dolphins at all. I like what they've done, but the last three weeks of the season now is crucial for them because, yes, they were close against the Bills last night, but I do think when push, genuinely, I think when push comes to shove in mid, mid to late January, they are a step down from your Buffalo, your Kansas City, and they need to try and find that next level. The thing about Miami was that they were so hot during a specific time of the season and Tua has obviously been in talks for the MVP. I think personally he's really, really fallen away from that now. I don't think anyone is considering considering him up there as MVP with um, Jalen Hurts and Patrick Mahomes. I think they're the two um, leaders going into it now for the rest of the season. But my biggest takeaway from Tua and the Dolphins is looking at that game last night, it, he didn't play badly. He didn't throw interceptions. He actually made some beautiful throws. But you, you compare him against Josh Allen, like Josh Allen had twice more touchdowns than him. Tua had two and Allen had four. And I said this, I think, last time that it's just Tua's going up and he goes up against elite quarterbacks. He seems to 
not play well or the Dolphins don't seem to get there. Like they've come up against the 49ers and he had Jimmy G for like a couple of minutes, but then he couldn't get it done against Brock Purdy and then Justin Herbert, he couldn't get it done against. And and then this time it was Josh Allen. So I think the Dolphins are choking a little bit, I feel like, because everyone, like I genuinely thought they were going to probably be the AFC Championship. I could have saw them getting into the Super Bowl, but now I'm like, no chance they're going probably as far as the divisional round and that'd be it. But yeah, I they're just they're like I said, they're just just choking a little bit now. I think they will win their last three games. They have the Green Bay Packers, they have the Jets and the Patriots. I they'll win them easily, uh, but I I don't see them getting far in the playoffs. That Packers game was on Christmas night. Uh, Mark, I want to just bring up a few, a few other things. Obviously, since we last talked on this podcast, Cole Beasley. Um, mm. I was very surprised he went back to Buffalo because he was retired. On a podcast <laughs> that I was producing, and he basically said, I don't want to get him in trouble here. He basically sort of implied that he wouldn't be going back to upstate New York, and he has. Um, fair play to him. I wish him, obviously, really, really nice guy. Wish him the very, very best. Um, I was just surprised, and it was great to see the reaction that he got. More so looking at the Bills very quickly. Uh, Dawson Knox, it's Dawson Knox season. Great, great, great night for him. Uh, I guess you would look at that run defense as a concern if they were to get uh, Kansas City down the stretch in the playoffs, where you see McKinnon in week 15 ran riot, albeit against the Texans, and we are going to talk about the Chiefs, but there is a slight concern. And I know there was the weather situation and you were going to run the ball more, but they, they still got the yards up against them. I'm going to almost park the conversation purely because I think it's worth talking about in the next few weeks. I don't know, does Buffalo's defense, this is, I'm, I'm leaving at this because I need to save it for a topic some other week. I don't know if Buffalo's poor run defense is going to come against them because all the serious teams, the serious outfits that are going to the playoffs are past first teams. Maybe you'd have to be worried about Cincinnati. I know what you're saying about um, Jared McKinnon, but like he's done his most damage in the passing game. It's actually Isaiah Pacheco is still the number one guy in Kansas. And I don't think that they're like, it, it, it doesn't scare you like the Eagles in the NFC or it doesn't scare you of the Derrick Henry teams of old. Or, you know, if a Nick Chubb was going to be in the playoffs or even Lamar, if he's out for the Ravens, that rush isn't there. So it's um, something that I was going to look into a bit more and we'd kind of come back to it. But I would say um, something, if I want to add something interesting to it, is when you look at the Buffalo Bills, three weeks ago, was it four weeks ago? I'm going to say to push that division leader wasn't Buffalo. And we were saying how close it is and how competitive the AFC East is all of a sudden. And now they have a three-game lead in that division and a playoff spot clinched, right? It's not that they have the division title. It's just the playoff spot clinched, yeah. Playoff spot clinched. I think they, 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 I think they can seal it next week. From my it just, It's just crazy that they have the, the three-game lead and the Patriots and Jess have both dropped out of the playoff spots. Or maybe they're still hanging, just about hanging in the playoff spots. But I, I think they might have lost it to the Chargers today. Time will tell. Finally, Michaela, I'll, I'll just say this about the Dolphins. You'd think Pennies or Primark could make a fortune with Jalen Waddle Penguin jerseys. Guy's unreal. I love Jalen Waddle. I put him in my bet to get a touchdown, and he came true. And I, I love his celebration. He's so good. I remember when I was in um, Florida in Orlando in February. Just is just a, 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 a story related to Waddle, and I went into this like little sports shop. Like it wasn't one of the big store, uh, sports shops, like Dick Sporting Goods or anything like that. It was just like a kind of independent one, and the guy 
had like all the jerseys and he had number 17 for the Miami Dolphins. And I actually said, I actually thought that was Ryan Tannehill's old jersey. And he was like, oh yeah, maybe it'll sell better if I flip it around and people can actually realize it's Waddle number 17. But I, we saw like everyone in the World Cup was doing this celebration as well. It, it, they, they, he's going to make a for, fortune off Penguin merchandise. I met a guy in Belfast last week with a Jill and Waddle jersey. So hello to you if you're listening. Right. Anyway, let's jump in. There's a lot of Dolphins fans in Ireland. This, this can be a conversation for another time. Uh, right. Contenders in the NFC. Now, Mark, I know you wanted to talk about this here. I stupidly have made a graphic of Brock Purdy on this broadcast and it's too late in the night to change it. So I will say this before I let you talk about different teams. And I understand there's obviously way more teams that we probably haven't spoke about. But I guess it's sort of nice to jump on it because we haven't talked about it uh, Thursday night. The game, the, the Niners Seahawks, was a real baptism for for this Niners team for Brock Purdy, and to see his relationship with his offense is unreal. The Dred Greenlaw looks class. George Kittle, enough of the Niners, but just as we now go into, frankly, at the time this goes out, we're now starting to look at Week 16 into a Christmas week with a few more, a few more weeks afterwards, only two weeks afterwards. Who are your standout contenders? Because on week 15 Sunday, you had Dallas who lost against uh, Jaguars, which we'll talk about in a bit. The Vikings got over the line on Saturday against Jeff Saturday. It's really sort of, it's definitely hard to call outside of Philly and outside of Philly and San Fran at the moment. No, yeah, you're dead right. The um, purpose of what I wanted to talk about was I tweeted out at the end of the early games yesterday saying that there's only two teams to worry about in the NFC. And as soon as I'd sent that, a buddy of mine is a Cowboys fan. And he said, I'm ready to pull the plug. They're not a contender anymore. And I was like, well, you know, everyone's, you know, on the same wavelength because we don't even need to get into the Vikings because we did talk on this show and everyone's kind of on the same wavelength that they haven't had those impressive wins. I don't want to bring it up because I feel like we talked about it in the last couple of weeks. The 33, you know, and come back from that and being the largest ever comeback just speaks to the flukiness of their wins. But I was so high in Dallas that a week ago, well, a week and a day ago, I guess at this point, they were number one in my power rankings. And then they went back to number five this week. And now are they top 10? Because, like, look, why we loved Dallas was they had incredible wins, like proper beatdowns on the Bears and the Vikings and the Colts in, you know, relatively um, recent weeks. And when you think of the as a wild card, they were threatening for the NFC East. It didn't look like they were going to ever win it. But as a wild card, the Bucks in twenty twenty were the first team to win a Super Bowl as a wild card, and I thought Dallas was good enough that they could kind of go down that route as well if they had to. But over the last couple of weeks, a couple of games, they really s- struggled last week against Houston, and I chalked it down to okay, you can have the one bad game. And then, um, yeah, sorry. And then they lose to Jacksonville, obviously, over the weekend, having been up 27 to 10. And there's multiple ways that you can really break it down. We know that Dak had an absolute stinker against the Texans, against the Jags. He's turnover prone. End of story now. Like, I know that, you know, Dallas fans, when they're winning, they'll go to bat for him. When they're losing, they'll rip him to shreds. I like to think that I'm more removed from it. And I kind of think that, yeah, he's a solid enough. I know he's slightly erratic, 
but now with seven interceptions in the last four games, I know he's missed a few games through injury, but only two games this season he hasn't had an interception. So it is something that you have to be worried about. And I look his inner or his completion percentage, his accuracy, in other words, against the Jags, he did 76.7 percentage or completion percentage, which actually you're not going to scoff at that. But the two interceptions were crucial, obviously no more so than a pick six and overtime that was on him. Um, in the first half, he was excellent, 15 to 16, 137 yards, two touchdowns. What, yeah, when it counted then, he did start turning the ball over. So I think that obviously a lot of blame can be put on Dak. But what I really text my buddy about when he sent the text to me at the same time was the defense. And it was so scary, especially in that Colts game when they put up 54 points as a combination of turnovers and the offense. But like, where's the pass rush gone? You're watching against Jacksonville and it looks like they're going to bring the house and they all back off. Now, Lane Van Der Esch went out of the game injured. A lot of fans got on top of him. They're like, oh, wait, maybe they do need to have him in there. Um, Trayvon Diggs, as a cornerback, is lights out and no one wants to go to him. But they had the injury for Anthony Brown a couple of weeks ago in his place. They put Calvin Joseph. And the commentary pointed out the teams are going to go out after Calvin Joseph. He was benched in this game after being to blame for two of the touchdowns. So all of a sudden, maybe you can say that it's injuries, even though it looks like all the big names are there. Michael Parsons got his first sack in three games. But it's just something's changed. It's a bit of an intangible, which makes it kind of scary. It's not like you can just say it's on those um, injuries because a lot of fans would have called for that. So I guess with the game against the Jags, it was a bit, feel me once, shame on you, feel me twice, shame on me. And that's why I'm a bit worried after that loss, that they're not the contain contender or the threat we know our friend fred flunk who tweeted us before when we put out our picks and he said yeah even though we'd all picked dallas he tweeted me back saying yeah i expect them to wipe the floor and to lose and not get any pressure on trevor lawrence i thought it was a big um big wake-up call for them yeah it's funny because like we i woke up to a tweet this morning whenever that picks graphic that great graphic thanks very much to to Mark for making that. Um, I think somebody, I think, is it like Mark Thompson, the guy's called? Like, sorry if I got your name wrong, Mr. Thompson, but it's definitely Thompson. And he was like, oh yeah, everyone's picking the Cowboys and we, we all know what happens there. I, I genuinely thought the Cowboys would beat the Jaguars this weekend. But I guess when you've got Steele, Ferguson, Dorrance, uh, Hankins, uh, be different guys injured, it just, there, there are a lot of injuries there and it's definitely an issue. I guess Michaela, if we look at the NFC overall, and Mark's been in the detail there, especially on the Cowboys, you know, you've got the Eagles that are obviously assured of a playoff place at the moment. They're sitting 13 and 1. Mm-hmm. Vikings are 11 and 3. They've clinched the NFC North over the weekend. Mm-hmm. The Niners winning the NFC West on Thursday night. And you know, below that, there, you're looking at the Bucks, who, frankly, their NFC South campaign is very very intriguing i think that's something i know we spoke about last week but it could be something to look at in more detail now especially after what happened to the bucks against the Bengals. the cowboys sitting 10 and 4 now sitting with a fifth seed uh, and at the time of recording we're not sure who's won sunday Night football because we're not maniacs that recorded at half four in the morning and um, and outside of that there you know you look at the, the lions and i know we're going to talk about the lions it's just a really really interesting spread with the nfc going over the next few years yeah, I don't think anyone thought that the Lions were going to be in playoff contention if you asked everybody three or four weeks ago. The fact that they're 7-7, seven and seven, they're above, they're just at 500 now. They're second in the NFC North, but uh, ahead of the Green Bay Packers, which which is, I know the Green Bay Packers are awful, but like I don't think anyone would have thought that either. I'm really excited about the Lions, and I think we'll talk about a little bit about that later, but 
I can't really see anyone in the NFC other than the Eagles and the 49ers, like the two of you, because I was actually, I wasn't, I didn't give the 49ers enough credit. I didn't realize how good they were. They kind of snuck up on me and I'm, I'm liking them and I'm liking Brock Purdy. I'm loving McCaffrey out there. And I wanted to give the Vikings credit because being 11 and 3, they are a good team. But kind of watching that game yesterday, now I know it, it must have took a lot of resilience and a lot of courage even and skill to come back from 33 and nothing. You have to be so determined and in the game because like if like I'm not in that lead, but if I was 33 down at the halftime, I'd probably be like, this is over. I'm not even going to try. So credit where credit's due. They came back and they won, but it was against the Colts. The Colts aren't good. <laughs> like they're four, eight, and one. And like when when the Vikings started started putting points on the board, I'm gonna be like, I was like, this is gonna be twenty eight and three again. This is literally gonna be Matt Ryan losing the Super Bowl to Tom Brady. But like I said, like the credit where the credit's due, but it was against the Colts. It, it's like if you do it against the Eagles, then oh my God, you're up there. Like you could win the Super Bowl. But the fact they should have bet the Colts easily, and the fact that they gave us all all their fans and everyone who put them in in their bet heart attack material, it, there was no need for it. They were playing all their starters. They were playing Jefferson. They were playing Cousins. Th- there was no need to be down by that score to the Colts. So I I think. For me, the they, they they I think did I say they maybe would I thought they were going to be in the super not the Super Bowl I thought they'd lose to the Eagles in the NFC Championship but I don't see them getting to the championship now, and then the Cowboys I don't think that I don't think Dak Prescott's the answer for the quarterback for the Cowboys I know it's hard to find a franchise quarterback and they obviously found a diamond in the rough with him he was taking him up the fourth round but to me he's he's like I think I said this before I think he's hit a ceiling. I, I don't think he can bring them any further. I, every time they get, he's kind of like Aaron Rodgers. No, I'm not comparing him to Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers is a hundred times better, but he's kind of like Aaron Rodgers in the sense of they can only get so far in the playoffs. And I like, like Mark was saying, he's like, he's thrown a lot of interceptions over the last few games. I think he has, now I know he was injured, but he had like four, I think he has 14 thrown touchdowns, one rushing and nine interceptions. That's not good enough for, for your franchise quarterback who's supposed to be above average and who you're playing us $160 million a year. I, I think, I think he, he, he's not going to get any better. I think he's always kind of be a guy that gets injured for a few games and then, kind of does be inconsistent and kind of erratic, like Mark says. So I think the Cowboys and Prescott a little bit are chokers. They'll only get so far. Maybe the divisional round, and I'll say they'll be out. See, the thing with the Cowboys, though, is they're run first. People don't think of them as that because they were billed between Mike McCarthy coming in and then, uh, oh, it's names after going beyond me, the um, Ken Moore, the offensive coordinator. And then because they had CD Dam and even got, dating back to last year, having a Mary Cooper, but they're not. Like, I had to bring in, because of Kyler Murray getting injured, I had to bring Dak Prescott in. My fantasy team I was like, oh, like, it's all t- it's all Pollard and Zeke Elliott. And watching the game, that's how it played out. So maybe that's how they're going to, like, be able to beat some teams come playoffs. Or, you know, if they were to make a run, it's going to be on those guys. But obviously they came unstuck against the Jags with that kind of play calling. Um, on Sunday let's take the Cowboys and talk about their opponent next I know we've talked a good bit about the Cowboys there but 
I have to give it, Mark, to Trevor Lawrence. Um, he looked like a top three, top four. Okay, okay, okay. Maybe top five quarterback this weekend in the NFL when he was playing the Dallas Cowboys. Um, but more so, was it Zay Jones who had that stunning performance with three touchdowns on the day? But I guess the thing that makes me think, Mark, that nobody wants to go near this Jaguars team at the minute or you know, uh, doubt them at your peril would be the defense, that interception with Jenkins, who then brought it back for like 50-odd yards and a touchdown, is one thing. But the pressure that they put on this Cowboys team today was just, honestly, man, it was sort of scary to look at. I know they're not by any means the finished project at all in this league, but you can see a serious improvement with Doug Peterson and both the offense and defense in Jacksonville. They, to a, to a point... Not a massive point. They did contain Tony Pollard. He only had like 70-odd yards rushing. You know, he could have easily had 120, 130 over that Jacksonville team 68 weeks ago. Um, and outside of C.D. Lamb, they contained them. Concede 34 points, but it doesn't matter if Trevor Lawrence and this defense as well are putting points on the board for this Jaguars team who now, um, you know, sitting more comfortable. Yes, they're 6-8, but you look at the division that they're in and you think if they can keep winning games you never know what could happen they were gone super high in people's power rankings in the middle of october and they lost a couple of games but just by my count there they threw an eye on it i'm pretty sure they're four and one in their last five games which is impressive but the thing is the one that was thrown in there was they got you know absolutely beat up by the lions and when i think it was around that time that they were playing the lions everyone was like are they for real or are they not and when they lost, and you know what, also it didn't help them the London game when they came to London and it looked like it was um, they were awful in London, right? Awful. And the, that was that was when they really hit a slump. But I think what your point, what you're pointing towards is, yeah, they don't fear anyone, and they're really they're the lines of the AFC that they're playing for their coach, they're playing for one another. They know that they're being you know not taken serious, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But going back to your Trevor Lawrence, it was his best game as a pro. Zay Jones was the game was the guy that you're going to point to because he put up the numbers. But I was really impressed with his connection with Christian Kirk again. I thought they should have gone to him more. In fact, maybe it was that um, you had um, cornerback on him Diggs. I can't get it. Trayvon Diggs. Maybe it was because they had Trayvon Diggs on. Uh, now I doubt it because Christian Kirk plays out a lot, a lot. But I, I I really like that connection that they had there. That between Zay Jones and then with Etienne, like okay, the one mistake that. Trevor Lawrence did a lot of teams won't forgive you when he had the, he had lots of first down territory. I'm sorry, what am I saying? He had the ball. He breaks away. He picks up a first down. All of a sudden, he runs too far, and an opportunistic Dallas defense makes him fumble, and they turn it over, and it looked like the game was gone from at that point. Like you know, basically they could have iced the game if he just uh, slid. So he still obviously is growing. But for a guy that people were labeling a bust for all the conversations about who the best quarterback out of that draft class last year being Mac Jones, that is starting to be wiped away. And you can forgive him because, yeah, sometimes it does take two years. They talk about the third year being the most important and Trevor Lawrence has shown all the signs. And with the way that the Titans are playing, what, two months ago, we were saying there's no chance. Like The, the division is just so poor that they'll, by default they'll get there. And it's nice to see a bit of life coming from the Jags. Michaela, it's crazy because whenever Doug Peterson came in, uh, he really had a bit of a, what's the word, to not get sued or fired on a podcast. He really inherited, um, honestly, what I would consider 
not a very very good football team in all manners of the word both on and off the field management etc and uh, what he's been able to do i think the acceptable um, word in nfl circles is a dumpster fire dumpster fire um would probably be i was thinking something along that you know i didn't want to go too far but i completely agree dumpster fire is appropriate the reality is michaela they're six and eight the titans are seven and seven uh they lost in interesting fashion in la in week 15 they're certainly going in the right direction. Could they make a crazy run for this division in the last three weeks? Am I crazy to think that the Titans could drop off in the last three games and, and the Jags could take this division? You're not crazy because the Jags are kind of like the Lions of the AFC. They're the underdog that kind of come out of nowhere and started winning games. And I, I know everyone wants and expects Trevor Lawrence to be this generational talent. He's supposed to be the next Peyton Manning or whatever and I'm glad to see that like Mark said he probably had the best game he's had as a pro like four touchdowns he still threw an interception but he still had four touchdowns and he bet the Cowboys <laughs> who have 10 wins so he's he's doing something right and I think Doug Peterson was a great great hire for for the Jaguars and for Trevor so I, I'm very like for the Lions I'm very happy for, for the Jaguars to be in so well I think them and and the Lions are going to be red hot next year and if you don't support anybody pick one of them because I think it's going to be very fun over the next few years with the, the way they're both going but it's definitely not out of this like out of Impo- sorry, impossible for the Jaguars to win. If you're looking at their next three games, I think they have the Jets. I think they'll beat the Jets. I think the Jets are finished for the season. They had a good run. I, I knew today that the Lions would beat them because the Lions are red hot. Um, I think we were massively unlucky today, genuinely. I mean, yeah, they should have won. Yeah, yeah. should have won that. Like, the decision making was atrocious. But yeah, sorry, go on ahead. It, it, yeah, I, I, I know, yeah, it was a close game, 20, 2017, and it could have went to overtime. But I, I, I had a feeling that the Lions were going to win because I love, not gonna lie, I love the Lions. <laughs> um, but... Yeah, so it's it's not. I think they'll the Jaguars will beat the Jets next week, and then they have the Texans. Now I know the Texans held gave Kansas City a scare today, but it's just the Texans. What do they have? One win. I think they'll beat them as well. And then who are the last game? The Titans. They've already bet the Titans this season. I think haven't they? Am I correct yeah. in saying that? They, they I think that could be the game that could be. They flexed. control their own their own destiny now. The Jags. If they win the next couple of games, they're a bit like what I was saying about the Panthers last week. They they control their own destiny going into, it, which is super exciting for them. Now, they they obviously is a bit of um a mental climb. Like I'm not going to automatically give them the Jets game because the Jets is all about defense, and if the defense is able to shut them down that is a problem and the way Houston is playing is extremely strange at the moment we're going to talk about them in a bit so maybe it's not too strange they're actually a bit fortunate I think a little bit but when we talk about the Jags it's nice that they're able but I think my problem is we've seen them shoot themselves in the foot whether it is even this season when they could have stacked a couple more wins we had um, a different podcast go out where back in September we were talking about this team being a genuine threat for the playoffs something happened in between and i guess they just got their mojo back which is great for their fans that's really intriguing the whole that whole week 18 comment that 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 will be the i think that'll be the game week 18 unless unless the giants they're not big enough enough. the the titans and jags fan bases they don't bring the ratings (laughs) 
I but think if that is the only clincher left, they'll do it. I think they not that the I think there'll be I think there'll still be something open. Like the Lions have to win out, even if it's well. No, the the books the books might be Tom Brady might have to be needing a win. You know, there's 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 a few, and I think in the pecking order, the Jags and Titans must be like putting the Lions are currently you well, know it's one of these non-big city teams it's 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 tricky to see them getting into the playoffs or into the prime time let's see what happens man um, let's talk about Tom Brady let's talk about Joe Burrow uh, very quickly here and we'll you know talk about that game that happened on Sunday um, you'd be forgiven for, you'd be forgiven excuse me at the half for thinking the Bengals were done the Bengals were out the Bengals ended up winning 34-23 to 23. there's so many different elements here Mark and I'll just dump a few of them on you Tom Brady had three interceptions in the game. Um, fumbles, picks, whatever you want to call it. It was a poor game by Tom Brady Sanders, to say the least. In the second half, that is, they did not look good enough. Defense for the Bucks looked excellent in the first half. Um, and then whatever was said at halftime with the Bengals, it just worked. The 83 first half yards that the Bengals got was a career low for a Joe Burrow-led offense in the NFL in the first half they came out they really progressed well in the second half obviously the one thing they couldn't get going at all which is really interesting was the um was the running game they couldn't get it going which was good by the Bucks defense to try and stop that but they still let 34 points in you need to look obviously at the uh, interceptions that happened I guess my question for you is this Tom Brady definitely looks like he's taken a step down in the last five, six weeks. I'm sorry for saying it. I've seen him. We've both seen him play in person in Munich. The beginning of that game, or the first half of the game, it seemed, I, uh, it must have been on Sky because I had to watch it through Red Zone, essentially. And every time they caught, it was like Mike Evans was making catches. Chris Godwin was making catches. I know I was paying attention to Chris Godwin because I left him on my fantasy bench and I needed all those points that I could have gotten. And I was thinking, well, look, it looks like the offense has clicked or it certainly has done something different i know i heard during the broadcast that they're saying that they've done or used a lot more rpo today than they have anywhere else in the season so it looks like they have gone back to the drawing board and tried something with the offense so if anything that what they were doing i know it was kind of like a bit of a slow burner how they were building points i think there was a field goal to start the game or maybe, maybe there was a couple of field goals in there to start it off but it really was that at least they were producing like i the line, I think, was three and a half points maybe for that game. And I was thinking, how hey, is this going to be even close? I was thinking that the Bengals were going. So I thought that they were able to capitalize on a Bengals slow start, which it was pretty positive from them. I thought they looked they look competent, which is the thing I haven't said about the books all year. But when the Bengals came out slow, what I attributed it to was it's a bit of a strange one now, but bear with me. They tied their boy back in and they take Higgins back in and thought maybe they were spoiled for choice because they wanted to get healthy and they weren't quite sure what to do with it. We saw the same thing happen with the Raiders. They had Hunter Renfro and Darren Waller back in and they stalled in their game. So I actually think it was um, too many chefs in the kitchen kind of thing for the Bengals. And then when they got on track, they were able to take over that game a lot. Michaela, I've done a few things this week, so I look at different topics because I'm a complete nerd on the Monday mm. for the weekend. And the one thing for me was the similarities that Joe Burrow and Tom Brady have. And I guess the one thing that stands out is their will to win. Um, and I got a lot of you know cheeky responses saying, well, you know, Joe Burrow, you can't really compare to Tom Brady because Tom Brady's won seven rings. Mm. What I meant was his determination and his outlook on the league. 
he is he, he's a real standout in that quarterback class of those like, around that sort of one or two years where he's drafted and he, they're really building something special in Cincinnati the question is can they take it to that level that I spoke about with Kansas City and Buffalo down the stretch but it was a really really it was a really really um sort of weird game to watch in the second half because I, I couldn't get over how much the Bucks were struggling at one point it was just nuts I couldn't believe that the Bucks were beating the Bengals by a good margin at one point of the game and I was like here we go we all said the Bengals would beat the Buccaneers and I always say don't bet against Tom Brady and the weeks that I do bet against him he goes and wins so Good to see that the Bengals actually did win because they deserve to win because they're probably the top, the third best team in the AFC after the Chiefs and the Bills. And I, I do get the comparisons that everyone is saying between Burrow and Brady. They do, they say they're they're obsessed with proving that they're the best. And it's good to know. I'm sure there's a lot of quarterbacks and there's a there's a lot of players in the league who are like that. But it's it's good to know that. I, I do see similarities between Burrow and and Brady. So Burrow's definitely going to take off, uh, take over that mantle of kind of the chip on the shoulder. I need to keep proving that I'm the best and I'm good. And I I, I wonder what the Bengals are going to be like if they just get a few more pieces. If they if the O line is one of the best in the league. If they get like like the Eagles have two standout corners in Slay and Bradbury. So if if the Bengals had had players at positions like that, they'd be so, so scary. I'd put them ahead of the Chiefs if they just fulfilled a few more positions and the O-line was like one of the top units in the NFL. But yeah, I think I I did kind of think the Bengals were a one-hit wonder at the beginning of the season just, just because they started so poorly. But it worked out well for them because they've they've hit their rut basically. Their rut was at the very beginning of the season, and they're they're playing great now, and they're winning a lot of their games, and they're a sure thing for the playoffs. So, you know, the the Bengals and Burrow, I think, will go far in the playoffs this year again. When you're talking about the similarities. There was a stat thrown up during the broadcast that. Uh, Joe Burrow threw his 14th fourth quarter touchdown that was on the next drive equaled or surpassed by Brady by one so when you're talking about like clutch players that is the biggest similarity that Joe Burrow is an Everside Dolly quarterback uh, look you can say Justin Herbert has a bit of that we're not going to be touching on that game and this but what they did at the end <laughs> of theirs but yeah I, I do think that there is a clutchness to Joe Burrow's game that you don't count out you know you, you, uh, the mighty ice of the world they earned the monikers and I think that Joe Burrow won't be long getting one of those names to him let's see what happens with uh, how long Burrow might play maybe he'll might play at least 40 never mind 45 or 46 and this is a really interesting topic and Mark you you suggested this topic about maybe the Chiefs being in in a bit of a rut Um, (laughs) now I as a as a Denver Broncos fan I I hate the Kansas City Chiefs as much as anybody now I you know for people on the podcast listening I, I respect them. I think they're a hell of a team. Patrick Mahomes is a great quarterback. So I, I'm in, I, I'm intrigued, Mark, to hear why you think they're in or what. Now, I, I understand why you would say that because they struggled to get over the line against a Houston Texans team that, frankly, okay, they've shown some signs this season with Lovey Smith, but they're still 1-12-1 for a reason. Um, Chiefs obviously get over the line. They didn't start the game well to say the least but 
I thought they done okay, and you're right. I know, I know, I messed up on the uh, McKinnon situation when you got Pacheco in the run as well, and when look when Mahomes can get the ball to Travis Kelsey and that that touchdown grab by was it Valdez Scantling was class. Like, I don't think they're in a rut. I think it's a sign of a good team that can grind out a result, man. Whether it's in overtime or whether it's with a minute to go in the fourth quarter. Yeah, so. I think I'm going to go in a, di- a direction that you obviously aren't expecting here. This is Kansas City in a rut. That's not a negative. Like, this is probably the worst we've seen with Patrick Mahomes as a team. I mean, they struggled against the Texans. They didn't lead at any point during the first half. Like, at the end of the day, they were 14 and a half point favorites. They were favored by more than two touchdowns doing this game, and they needed to go to overtime. Last week, they looked excellent to start, but if we're, you know, talking about consecutive quarters, they soaked against the Broncos after taking that 27-point lead. Like, maybe they rest on their laurels, you know, give them a break for that. And the week before that, they did lose to the Bengals. So when you're talking about a three-week, you know, stint, they haven't been super impressive. But this is kind of what I teased at the beginning of the um, show they still they still torch the Texans um, in any statistical or category. I mean, it's five, over 500 yards of offense versus 219 for the Texans, 313 passing yards versus 125 ta- passing yards, 6.6 yards per play versus 3.8 yards per play. So even though it was close on, on the scoreboard, I think that what really got to them was there was a lot of penalties. They way they way beat out Texans in in the penalty category as well. But that's what I meant by the Chiefs in a rut. This is them in a rut, but it just shows how good they are when they're stuck like this. And what I really like to see is like we talked about with Jarek McKinnon there. I knew I knew the the name from somewhere when. Clyde Edwards, Alaire went down. I was thinking, wait, why is McKinnon so familiar? And it's because he was he was great as a backup with the Vikings for years. And I know he's been with Kansas City. He hasn't been heavily featured. They let him hit the open market this offseason. And after he didn't latch on with anyone else, they resigned him for a year deal. But where he's really doing his damage is in the passing game. I mean, yesterday he had 10 rushes for 52 yards. He had eight catches for 70 yards. Obviously, he added two touchdowns and last week he had 134 total yards so I think what I really like out of Kansas at the moment is even through this kind of spell they haven't been a super dominant they're still introducing us to a new name his name is Derek McKinnon and as we go into the playoffs he's certainly if you're in your fantasy playoffs he's obviously not there on the waiver wire anymore but you definitely wanted him on your team because they have introduced a new weapon that they're going forward with and whereas everyone else knows their guys by now i just love andy reed's ingenuity that he always has a card in his back pocket and they're playing it and do i do i think they're gonna lose any games no that's that, that's where i am that's where i kind of come with 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 the rut thing i hope i clear that one up absolutely <laughs> it's funny because it's i've had the, i've had different conversations similar, similar to this in different podcasts about if this is how they're playing now what are they gonna be like come january so i get it completely michaela here's one for you um mahomes is 87.8 completion percentage against the texans on sunday it's the highest in the history of the league in games with 40 plus pass attempts 36 41 um seven times in a row they've won the afc west they're not in a bad place anyway, are they? Going, just, just going forward just over the next couple of months. When Mark, was, when Mark originally brought up this topic and said they're in a rut, and I was kind of like, what is he on about? How are the Kansas City Chiefs in a rut? They're 11-3, and, and then I went back and looked at their 
their games I'm like oh my god he's actually right they barely got over the line against the Texans they have to go to overtime to beat the Texans who are arguably the worst team in the NFL do, do not have any direction whatsoever and then their their other game who was their game before the Texans they uh, lost to the Bengals they they lost to the Bengals yeah and then the other the other game oh Broncos they they uh, last week the Broncos they were um, nearly kind of the Broncos nearly got an upset against them and the Broncos I don't get me wrong Michael I do not dislike the Broncos they actually kind of like the Broncos I just don't like Russell Wilson and <laughs> the fact that the the Broncos who are terrible this season also give Chiefs fans probably mini heart attacks um, just kind of Mark's right they are in their in their little role. I, I didn't understand when he first said it, but I understand it now because looking back at their last three games, they lost to the Bengal, Bengals. Were, was, it was a tight game against the Broncos and then Russell Wilson went out and then obviously the Texans was tight as well. So he, he's definitely right. Um, thinking about the playoffs now, I think it'll probably be... Hmm, it's hard because I'm like, will it be... I definitely think the Bills will be in the AFC Championship. 100%. Is it going to be the Chiefs or the Bengals? I don't know. But... I always, if I look back on the playoffs over the last few years, it always feels like the Bills couldn't get get one over the, the Chiefs when it came to the, the games in the playoffs when they faced each other. But if I was the Bills, I would not be fearing the Chiefs. There's just, there's something about the Chiefs. It's actually, it's infuriating how good Mahomes and Kelsey is. Don't get me wrong. But I think I've said this before. They don't, and I think I mentioned it a few minutes ago as well. They don't have enough pieces for me. They don't have enough star power. Obviously, they have Mahomes. He's probably the best quarterback in the league. There's no doubt about it. They have Kelsey. He's probably the best tight end in the league. But there's no really major star on defense since Matthew left kind of for me and they they need to kind of have good uh, star power kind of in a lot of positions like the Eagles do and kind of like the Bills do so I think the Bills have nothing to fear from the Chiefs and I, the Bengals don't have anything to fear from the Chiefs the Chiefs going into the playoffs I, I don't I don't think the the Chiefs are going to be a hundred percent AFC, a hundred percent even in the AFC Championship, or a hundred percent guaranteed to win it like they usually were a couple of years ago. I, I think they're, they're, they're still obviously very, very good, and they should be feared a little bit. But I don't, I don't think they'll beat the Bills. Let's uh, jump onto our last topic here: the Detroit Lions. Hell of a team, Mark. Hell of a team, my friend. Uh, that play at the end. With, was it two minutes left? Was it Brock Wright scored the touchdown? Uh, and everyone was thinking, oh, well, you're giving Zach Wilson one minute and 45 seconds or something. <laughs> and we'll go down the field. Gar- here, Garrett Wilson had a great game for the Jets. Really, really good game for the Jets. Um, <laughs> the reality is Zach Wilson couldn't get it done. Uh, they had a, he, God help him. He, like He's trying, right? He had a really, really poor interception in the game. But the Lions march on. And win again, and frankly, I think they win out. Why not, Mark? Am I crazy? There's just so much positivity in this team, and Jared Goff has proven a hell of a lot of people wrong because what he has been able to do this season and turn around his fortunes and the belief that Dan Campbell is putting him is—it's just—it's awesome to watch as a fan. 
Yeah, we know they're obviously six and one of their last seven games. They're one and six before that. And that's really the, the stat that everyone needs to know because it talks about that run that they've gone on. I was really looking forward to this game because we know that they basically say, screw defense, we want to put up as many points and you have to keep pace with us. So I thought that the Lions win it easy because I didn't expect much offense at all from the Jets. So the Jets did contain that offense. I don't know what they put on tape there that other teams are going to be able to pick up on. Um, I did, like we touched on earlier on, I thought that the Jets were going to pull it off. Zach Wilson was growing into the game. I don't know what happened to the Jets' run game. I thought they were going to rely on that more, especially at the end of the, the, the second half. I was, I don't know, I was scratching my head. Like the interception that Zach Wilson threw was horrendous and it really gave a lifeline to Detroit. Versus, you know, I thought, oh, is Zach Wilson going to start growing into this game even more and kind of take it over? But at the end of the day, it was a 2017 game against two teams that are on the edge of the playoffs. And don't get me wrong, I'm all in on the Lions. We talked about them two weeks ago, so I'm trying to avoid, you know, talking about what we did then again. But I think that the run defense, that was what I took away from the game, expecting the Jets to go so all in it. And it was the same thing that when they when I expected it to happen against the Packers a few weeks back, that they were able to come out and surprise me, that they don't come up in the statistics as having a fantastic run defense. But I think it's decent enough. So look, who if they end up being the seventh seed and they play the San Francisco 49ers, I mean, best of luck to them. They're not going to be able to contain McCaffrey and this has been all for nothing. But if they do make it to the playoffs, aren't they one that we would forgive having an absolute stinker? You know, we, we if the Giants have it, we'll say, we told you so. If the Lions said it, have it, we'll be like, oh, well, at least they got there. It was a good story while it lasted. We're so fickle in that sense. But I, I, I'm not as hot on them after the Jets game. I think that's the best way of putting it. Again, I think the Jets have a good defense. So, you know, I can't say that I wanted the Lions to put up tons and tons and tons of points. But when we've seen them against the likes of the Eagles, I've talked before in the beginning of the season, they put up a ton of points and that's how they competed with the team. That's their calling card is scoring and scoring and scoring. I didn't get to see that out of them on Sunday. So I'm a bit disappointed. It's interesting, Michaela, because the Jets um, put up a fight, but the Lions get over the line. I would almost put the Lions like the Morocco of the World Cup in the NFL this season. Who knows what they can do in one week of the playoffs? It could be if they got the Niners. Who knows? Why not? Like let's let, let's. I'm joking. No. Yeah, right, Mark. <laughs> Please no. <laughs> I want that NFC Championship game. All I am saying is, all I am saying is, Brock Purdy <laughs> looks fantastic in Seattle overnight, but he is going to have a bad game, whether it's in the next six weeks or. If he's QB1 next September, that, that whole debate can start. He is going to have a poor game. I think Kyle Shannon's offense. I think it's Kyle Shannon's offense. That's what I keep on putting it back on. It was That's why Jimmy Garoppolo was able to succeed. And it's all to do with Kyle Shannon. And we've talked about it on the show, so I'm not going to harp on it. No, that's not the point. We're talking about the Lions. But I, I just watching them on Thursday Night Football, I really, really enjoyed watching the 49ers on Thursday Night Football because they were able to, I suppose, do anything I wanted to see. And the Debo news, obviously, is good news for them. A week ago, we didn't know what was going to happen with him. Obviously, he's going to be back a bit sooner than expected. So when it comes to that, I think that, yeah, I wouldn't want the Lions dumping the 49ers out prematurely out of the playoffs. What do you think of the Lions, Michaela, just while we wrap up? They're my favorite underdog story at the NFL this season. I did not think they'd be in the position they are. They're at 0.500, they're at 7-7, which is... 
an achievement in themselves for a, a rebuilding Lions, to be honest. I think they'll go 10-7. and seven. I think they'll win their last three games. They don't have very, very tough opponents. So I can easily see them getting into the playoffs. I don't think they'll go far. Maybe a wild card spot and then if they're very, very lucky and are in their best high scoring, you know, putting up points, that's what the Lions do, then they can make it to a divisional, but that that would be the end of it. But that's not bad. That's a miracle coming from the, the, the Lions that we saw at the beginning of the season. And I'm saying this now, if I wasn't an Eagles fan, I'd be a Lions fan. I don't know why, there's something about them. It's, it's not even the head coach, it's just kind of like, they're actually a good team and everyone's been ignoring them. They're kind of the underdog that I, I root for. And I feel, I do feel like bad a little bit for Jared Goff because he kind of just, he got thrown out of LA uh, for Matthew Stafford. And kind of, I remember when he got traded to Detroit, he was kind of like, I'm just happy to be playing for a team that wants me. And to be honest, I don't even think they wanted him back then. He was just included in the trade. But I think he's proved that he's their franchise quarterback going forward. I would not, by the lines, I would 100% not be looking for another quarterback he's he's their guy if if I, I'll say I think he's their guy going forward if he has a similar season to next season he's 100% their franchise quarterback they can stop looking the, the, the Lions just I, I'd love to see what they were doing if if they had like a like a star wide receiver like Tyreek or Jamar Chase I'm gonna say Brown is definitely a star wide receiver oh yeah oh yeah 100 100% he, he he's brilliant I, I, I love that guy he obviously has a connection with Jared Goff but I, I would love to see if the, what they'd be like if they had another star amongst their team. And I I love what they're building there. I'm I'm really excited to see what the Lions do next year. I hope they don't take a step back and just go back to being the Lions. But I, I think they have a very, very bright future. It's, Imagine it's all, just the it's, or it's all in front of them now. Up. It's all in front of them now. But you know what? I will say the Jared Goff thing is a really interesting point because even when he was traded for, I spoke to... Um, David Burkett, he writes for the New or Detroit Free Post. It's the you know big newspaper over there, there that part of the world. And the conversation at the time was whether they were going to take Trey Lance in the draft because Trey Lance wasn't supposed to go number two at the time. But they had the number seven pick, and in fairness, they committed to um, Jared Goff when that trade was made. Everyone said it was a salary camp or a, a salary dump. So it is great that they've stayed with. Goff, I wouldn't blame them for going for a quarterback next year. You know, you do have to keep on looking to the future. I think that it's entirely a possibility, even if they were to make the playoffs. But I do think it's been an exciting story. And there's no point in us even talking about next year because it's all ahead of them right now and they can absolutely make the playoffs. I think that the Chicago game in a couple of weeks' time is definitely going to, like I just touched on the run game there, with the way that um, Justin Fields put it up to Philadelphia over the weekend and how they have David Montgomery. I don't think it's a sure thing that the Lions win out. But if they play to their capabilities, obviously their own running backs, DeAndre Swift and Jamal Williams have been having um, a fantastic few weeks themselves. So, I mean, it's exciting, obviously, if you're a fan. And it's great because the first week of the season, they said that tickets had sold for their week one game like they hadn't seen in years and years and years in Detroit. It did take a bit of a dip when they went one and six those first few weeks. But obviously they're all back on board now. And it's, um, you know, coming into the year, there was expectations around Detroit. They didn't look good until the last seven weeks, but now it's looking great. Let's see what happens with Detroit over the last few weeks of the season. And um, I think we will, um, let, let, let's just wrap it up for the week. I think like, let's, that's it. I will very quickly say two things. Uh, first off, a big congratulations to Donna Bates slash Antrims 
uh, Alexis McAllister for winning the World Cup. He's basically Irish, so uh, I'll, I'll say no more there. <laughs> Do you and, know? Yeah, we just got a mention for Raiders fans, for Patriots fans. What in the frig was going on in that last play? Hi. Wow. <laughs> they didn't deserve it. They certainly didn't deserve it. New England was all over them. I was tweeting our friend, um, our Raiders friend, Michael, you know his handle better than I because I forgot it a few weeks ago. Raider Lee or Irish Raiders? Yeah. Uh, JWB, is it? Uh, yeah, it's Raider Lee anyway. I thought you'd have the name. Irish Irish Raiders JWB. I forgot it a few weeks back. But like, I tweeted him saying... <sighs> The Raiders, like McDaniel came from New England when he ha- when he, he was with Denver, he was able to beat Bill Belichick because he knows what he wants to do on defense. So I think it's extremely frustrating if you're a Raiders fan that you have Hunter Renfro and you have Darren Waller back in the mix and you cannot get Devontae Adams open. It's as soon as they take a lead, it's Josh Jacobs, Josh Jacobs, screen pass. Josh Jacobs, Josh Jacobs, screen pass. Just try and say that 10 times. I'm struggling big time trying to get it. Maybe it's the time. But I think what the Raiders are doing it's it's not fun as a fan like yeah they pull off the win but like what a fluke win it's like there's those you know lateral lateral and all of a sudden Chandler Jones comes up they should have been winning that game when it's 14 up and the commentary commentary is saying watch them blow this lead and then they blow the lead I'm like I feel for all the because we know there's a good few Raiders Irish Raiders fans on Twitter it it drives you up the wall yeah Let's just leave it there because I'll, I'll say this and it'll start an argument. I don't think the Patriots are anywhere near the standard to be in the, in the playoffs and I think that they deserve to see what happens at the end because there's no point. They need to have a complete overhaul and I love Patriots fans in Ireland and we're 56 minutes in anyways. The people might not might not be listening so it's all good. I love you all and it's all good. Sorry, did Mikhail, did you say something or it was just... No, no I laughed at you. Oh, okay, right. Go on. It's, it's, <laughs> I just it's not anyway. I think you said right. We don't want them. We don't want them in the in the playoffs. I'm not going to no. say it's negative. It's a fantastic defense. It is an absolute fantastic defense. But it's what they're doing on an offense. If it wasn't for Ramondre Stevenson, you wouldn't want to watch it at all. Every Mac time, Jones, yeah. Every time I was listening in on that game before we record this podcast, and every Muslim fight, like take a shot every time the commentator said Mac Jones is giving out or. Uh, being a hothead or shouting he, he's such a hothead I didn't realise he just gets out all the time and he, he hasn't proved himself enough to be doing that interesting point let's keep that for next week I love it uh, in terms of this week we have well you've got Rams Rams Packers tonight on Monday Night Football um, obviously thanks to everybody for listening to this podcast at NFL Ireland on all social handles YouTube um, podcast Twitter TikTok Instagram Facebook everywhere Give us a shout. It's all good. Uh, social bios in the handles. I have made the executive decision to put our Christmas preview podcast out on Wednesday this week without telling these two people just because it's Christmas. And the last thing I know you want to be doing, folks, is sitting listening to us on Friday before Christmas Eve. Maybe you do. That would be great. Do you interact with us if you do. But let's put it out a bit earlier so you have it earlier. Um, and I'll get it out as soon as possible on Wednesday whenever I can. But for now, Michael McQuaid, Mark Hogan, Michaela Fagan, folks, Thanks many for joining us and uh, let's see if Baker Mayfield can make Michaela excited Monday Night Football. Mm-hmm. Chat to you soon. Baker. <laughs>